This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. It's time for Speak Legal, conversations with Community Law Otago, made with the support of Law Faculty, University of Otago. And Lily Marsh joins us this morning to talk uh, around some uh, important aspects of employment law, particularly uh, the possibility uh, that in some cases, employers might be liable uh, for a wage theft. Can you imagine um, that sounds like uh, a concerning issue? We're going to use terms like modern slavery as well, so stay tuned. Uh, Lily, good to have you with us. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Uh, sounds like a big issue. What are we going to be talking about today? So when people say modern slavery, obviously that sounds like something we'd never expect to hear in 2021. But it is definitely an issue that's happening in the employment law sector and it also brings in the immigration law sector as unfortunately often involves migrant workers but can just as easily involve you know, New Zealand citizens that have been born and raised here. Um, the kind of most frequent areas we'd see it in is often like the fruit picking industry which is you know, a popular summer job for students and also migrant workers, seasonal workers, as well as industries like hospitality and construction, things like that. It can involve, at its, I say best in quotation marks, um, withholding wages, but at its worst, um, holding people essentially hostage, taking their passports and, you know, not letting them speak to anyone else about what's going on. Right. What's the relevant legislation around this? So we've got the Employment Relations Act which is the kind of baseline statute for all our employment law, but it also brings in the Minimum Wage Act and the Wages Protection Act. All right, so we might refer to those as we continue our discussion. Um, so, yeah, tell us a little bit more about the forms of, of uh, modern slavery, in quotation marks, and, and how it can come about. So at its worst, last year in the High Court we saw a case where 13 young people had been on working holiday visas, supposedly, so they thought. Um, they were brought in working 14 hours a day, were refused access to any kind of help. Um, the man in charge, he took their passports and held them in what was meant to be, you know, their accommodation while they were working there, but was really more of a shed-type situation. Um, they weren't allowed to leave the premises without him knowing or going with them. And they were told that if they tried to go to the police, they would just be arrested because it turns out that he hadn't gone through the proper process of their immigration. So they were, you know, the youngest victim was 12. And so eventually this actually amounted to human, human trafficking convictions as well as straight employment law issues. We talked around human trafficking the last couple of editions on Speak Legal. Actually, if you want to find out more about that, just look for the podcast for Speak Legal from our website, oar.org.nz. Lily, why does this happen and how can it happen? So in our legislation, such as the Wages Protection Act, it does allow mechanisms for employers to deduct wages in certain situations. Um, some of those situations are where it has been agreed in the contract or certain court-mandated situations. But because that mechanism exists where employers can deduct wages, it can easily be exploited to deduct wages where employers aren't allowed to, which creates difficulties because on one hand you've got our you know, pay-as-you-earn tax structure, which is, you know, 
very kind of standard for employment law. But on at the other end of the spectrum, this mechanism that's meant to allow for so-called simple things like tax is a way that people could have their livelihoods disrupted. Aren't we supposed to have you know labour inspectors and so forth and disincentives for this kind of stuff? We definitely are supposed to. One of the main issues is that our labour inspector is hugely underfunded and as well kind of exacerbating that issue is, for example, going back to that slavery case where, you know, these young, young immigrants were told that they couldn't go to anyone for help. You know, how are they going to know that the labour inspector exists? How are they going to know that they won't be found by immigration, you know, it's people at the most vulnerable times in their lives and already being under-resourced, it doesn't help the situation. All right. Um, Section 219, tell us about this. So, yep, that's the theft section in the Crimes Act, the pretty, the kind of baseline for any property offences, you kind of have to establish the elements of Section 219 before going on to any further offences like burglary or robbery. Um, so that there's the physical elements and the mental elements which an employer would have to do to be liable for theft. Um, mostly because of how the section is set up, it, would, it wouldn't so, so much cover situations where the employer tells someone that they owe this fee or something like that as a premium for working there but it would likely cover situations where the employer has made one of those unlawful deductions. All right so there is some legislation that has some potential power to deal with these these situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh there's a, a bunch of other aspects of the law that are interesting around this. Continue uh, telling us about that. Yeah so there is definitely a legal scope to do this. Queensland actually recently in the last couple of years has enacted a specific provision within their um, stealing provision is what they call it where subsection 6a specifically addresses deducting wages and will make you liable as an employer under their equivalent theft sections but there's obviously other kind of social aspects to think about you know there's often a power imbalance between employers and employees and something like the criminal law or the force of the law in general is something that employers often use. So do we really want to be using that tool to help employees? And as well as that, making it a criminal offence opens the scope for things like imprisonment and much larger fines. And there's obviously a lot of discourse around whether imprisonment should be used for non-violent offending, whether it's desirable whether it could backfire trying to use the so-called employer's tool to turn back on them. Where are you taking your interest in this area at the moment? Is this an area of the study that you're, that, that's you know, something you might like to take yourself further in in terms of your employment? Yeah, so I based my research and writing assignment on this area for the crime and property paper but it was actually inspired by a labour law lecture where we were talking about that modern slavery case and other instances of this and I was already quite engaged in the employment law paper because you know employment is something 95% of people deal with. I've worked in hospo and you know seen pretty dark side of that and so it was definitely something kind of near and dear to my heart and then when we had these 
two classes in parallel of work exploitation but also theft I kind of had a bit of a light bulb moment where I was like oh maybe we could use these theft provisions to actually help out people in the employment sector. I imagine Community Law Otago gets quite a few inquiries around issues of employment. Yeah. Um, ever seen anything like this come up so far? Fortunately I haven't seen anything quite as bad as what was in the High Court last year but there is in nearly all the employment law kind of conversations I've had with people there is this real power imbalance which is what makes it so hard for employees especially because yes there are certain mechanisms like the Labour Inspector personal grievances but at the end of the day people still need a job and they still need money so are often very afraid to speak up to their employer or an outside party. Yeah, but, interesting that one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, you would expect that someone who was, was facing the kind of scenario that you've described for us today would want to take some action really quickly to deal with it, mm-hmm. but there's all the fear and concern that might come uh, along with that mm-hmm. uh, for them. So I suppose in some cases it might also be a case of, well, perhaps whistleblower isn't the right term, but other people observing what's going on or having concerns about what's going on, reporting that. Yeah, I think it's quite a tricky situation because it is quite... Not unfair is probably the wrong word, but unrealistic to expect that people who are experiencing these kinds of things at their job to speak up because unless it's really easy for them to get another job, that's their livelihood gone, especially if they have families, maybe they're a single parent, or even if they're not, at the end of the day, people still need jobs. And it's a really big decision to speak up and potentially suffer repercussions from that. Even when we see people for employment issues you know, we actually do say, okay, this is these are your options, but also think about how it's going to affect your relationship with your employer. Yeah. So, just finally, what is the the best step if someone feels that they that they really have a concern uh, about an inappropriate power balance? If you like, uh, there are, might be a concern that some of the law you've t- spoken about this morning has been breached. What is the best thing to do? So, something that we often recommend is getting in contact with the early resolution service. So, they operate out of Employment New Zealand. So, you can get in contact with them either over the phone or online. And they essentially will, they have a bit of a triaging function. So, they'll listen to what's going on, you know, kind of validate everything that you've said. And then, if they think it's serious enough, they pass on to the Labour Inspector. So, it's a really accessible way to start that kind of investigation process. All right, and of course you could always have a word to the great team at Community Law Otago too. <laughs> there you too. Uh, Lily, thanks so much for bringing that to us today. We look forward to uh, another edition of Speak Legal at the same time next week on another issue. And uh, Lily, we'll see you further down the track. Thank you. Community Law Otago. Free legal advice and support for the people of Otago. Visit our weekday advice clinics at 169 Princess Street, Dunedin. Clinic session times are available from the website communitylawotago.com. Ring 474-1922 or 0800-169-333 if calling from outside Dunedin. Speak Legal is made with support from the law faculty, University of Otago, training for life. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.